Welcome to the Smart Industry Podcast, Remaking Industry, where we dive deep into the tools, techniques, and technologies that are accelerating digital transformation. All right, excellent. Thanks for joining us today. My name is Chris McNamara, Editor-in-Chief with Smart Industry. Today we are joined by Dave Ray, who is Director of Product Advancement with Parsec. Dave, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic, Chris. Happy to be here. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. Thanks. I, you know, this is always very interesting talking about digital twin, digital thread. This is a hot topic. It has been for a number of years, but as with all this stuff in digital transformation, it constantly evolves. So it's always great to keep tabs on things and see where we're at and see where we're headed. And there's nobody better to talk to about that than you. So let's dive right into it here. Um, let's talk about data fueling the digital twin. Uh, how does data fuel the digital twin and the current iteration of that? How do digital twins factor into the larger digital thread within an enterprise? And maybe you could uh, differentiate those two terms. I know everyone's probably fairly common with what a digital twin is, but maybe not a full grasp of what the digital thread is. And then how is this, this evolution uh, changing um, you know, as data-driven approaches mature? Yeah, so you know, it, di digital twins, a lot of people are pretty familiar with them, but mm -hmm. maybe not a whole lot of background of how they come to life. So. It kind of kind of twofold here. We have the whole concept of building the twin, and that means taking a lot of data. Think of time series data. I use telemetry as a term every once in a while. Right. We grab a, we grab a bunch of data about whatever it is that we're going to model. Typically, equipment. Digital twin doesn't have to be necessarily just about machines on the floor. They can be used other areas, but that's typically where manufacturers focus. Bring that data in feed it through some, uh, we use the term AI, people sometimes start thinking about, you know, the latest sci-fi movie and AI doing bad things, more of the concept of machine learning. It looks at all this data, it looks for trends, it looks for the specific things that the manufacturer is going to be interested in, mm -hmm. it builds, and it builds these models. And then from there, uh, we get the historical data to build it. Now it's about the live data. What are we doing to process that? What kind of outcomes and conditions do we want to know about? People look at digital twins, not just for condition monitoring, but also that uh, proactive, predictive uh, approach to it. Now, how does that data get there? Typically, these twins are up in the cloud. They're using cloud uh, computing uh, to be able to do a lot of the processing and all this real-time analysis. So again, brokering from the factory floor up to the cloud, different ways of doing that. A lot of companies, uh, as things mature, are starting to look at the value of IoT data collectors, smart devices that are absolutely designed to be able to take that data up to where the twin is at, let it do the processing, and then, again, it's all a matter of what are the insights we're looking to get uh, from whatever it is that we've modeled. So definitely going more towards how do we get more data up to the twin. Everybody's very data hungry. Yeah, It's not, not always what you want to do. You want to be able to find the right data. It's where data scientists can be pretty key, filter out the noise, get to the real critical stuff, and then let the twin do its work. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I hear that over and over again from everybody is, um, you know, the value in really aligning these efforts with a larger business strategy. You know, it, just because you can do something, um, more importantly, is figuring out why you're doing it and making sure that these uh, practices um, work toward the end goal of the larger business. Yeah, goal, you know? yeah. You you want to make sure it's aligned with whatever that that strategy is. And we'll I know we'll be talking about that again here before we're done today. And and one of those strategies is the concept of the digital thread. Again, those terms twin and thread get thrown around quite a bit. That that thread is really the history. It's the it's the complete trail of what went into either making a finished good. 
people will also look at digital threads with respect to the equipment. So not just what went into making the model, but now keeping that complete history. Do we run? Did we not? What went through? Uptime, downtime, slow time, uh, all of these different factors. So the, the thread is more of that historical trail. Think of that as kind of the full report mm -hmm. versus the twin, which is more about what do I look like in the moment? What is coming up and what do I need to prepare for? Yeah, interesting. Um, so what's the role of software in, in enabling the use of data like this? And, and from your perspective, you interact with um, customers a lot. What's the level of understanding about the, uh, these processes within digital transformation? Do you find that you have to play educator a lot? Do you feel like people come to you with a pretty good knowledge about using software like this? Or is it still pretty um, early uh, in terms of grasping the, the real capabilities with this? No, uh, companies and the manufacturers that I, I get the privilege of working with, they, they've got a fairly good baseline understanding that the, the twin is just kind of the means to the end. You think traditional right. software where I have a database and the database does mean nothing unless I have the software, the front end, the ability to get into it, to use it, to analyze it. And so the, the twin by itself, a lot of value, but not nearly as much as when you combine that with a software package. Now, I live in the world of manufacturing execution systems, operation management software. There's certainly some value there. Um, what some manufacturers tend to get lost in is what is the right software package to leverage with a twin. They'll be reading a lot about uh, more of the general term of digital manufacturing platforms. Those, yeah. typically, re those typically refer to IoT platforms yeah. that specialize in bringing IoT data in, time series, doing mashups and dashboards, some notifications. And I would say definitely in the last three years, and this is going to continue, the, the, the Venn diagram between DMPs and the MES mom world is really starting to overlap. So it's, it's not so much about what the twin can do and is there, a, is there a need for software. Manufacturers certainly get that. It's what's the right system to, to fit these things to. The answer is it fits in both of those worlds. You want the analytics. You want that picture is worth a thousand words, right? We're not going to go through reams of data. I need something that I can understand. I need it to be critical and I need to be able to put it front and center. So uh, with the software, it's the ability to not just see it, but also get the word out, make the stuff available anywhere, whether it's in the cloud, a data center, uh, even some companies running things on-prem, that's the, our, the, the legacy way of doing it. And some companies still prefer to do it for all kinds of reasons. So definitely understand it, maybe trying to understand the nuances and the differences between what the software does and, and how it adds value. Um, but again, uh, all these uh, packages are now starting to overlap more and more. And so there's a little bit of education that goes on there. Yeah, interesting. Um, you know, one of the, the uh, pillars uh, with Parsec is this, this uh, aligning quality and performance and maintenance. Um, how is that changing with, with the evolution of digital transformation and the maturity of some of these approaches um, that connecting quality to performance, connecting performance to maintenance, maintenance to quality? And is there an example of an industry or a vertical or a case study in your history that is doing a really good job of aligning those three elements? Sure. So. The first thing is across all three of those, those pillars or those elements, um, like we talked about how with the, the twin, you're able to start getting that, that predictive analytics, the, what is going to happen? How soon am I going to have a problem or an issue? So as companies go digital, the ability to go from being reactive in a lot of those verticals to proactive and, and get away from what I'll term as blindly following the schedule. 
maintenance. We're going to schedule PMs based off of how various equipment, machine centers were commissioned, what their run times were supposed to be. Companies worry about overscheduling maintenance, underscheduling. Quality, we want to make sure we test enough, but are we perhaps testing too much or maybe not testing in the right areas to catch yeah. things? Yeah. So it's, it's about becoming more proactive in these. And as companies become digital, what's really interesting is these worlds are starting to coalesce. It's not so much quality trying to find their own solutions or maintenance or the, the production, the operations, the, the performance aspect. What, what am I doing? What's my throughput look like? Now these data sets are all merging. People hear about the data lake and we're gonna throw everything in. And sometimes that can be overkill, but now it's, it's common information. I'm having rejects at this location in the process. So maybe we need to up the quality checks we're doing here. We've got actionable information about when we're running and where, and perhaps even some of the wear and tear on a machine. I might see that the temperature off a sensor is starting to increase. Or we're running the machine faster than we typically would. These can be indicators that we need to go into a PM. So now these, these verticals and the people that live in these areas of manufacturing are, are finding the value in between. I, I wouldn't say there's necessarily an industry that's leading here, but there's a, there's a couple of factors that play into how fast companies move in, in terms of really going digital. Okay. Reg, regulated industries tend to have, I wouldn't say more challenges. They certainly have a need for this, but when you're highly regulated, when you have validated systems and validated processes, the ability to make some changes there or do a little bit of, a, of an uplift in terms of what you, what you have from a digital standpoint, is it takes more time. It takes a little more cost because you've got to go through validation. Yeah. And, and Dave, uh, give, me an, give me an example of a regulated uh, arena. Sure. Like, like uh, facilities, aviation, what? Yeah. Well, it, it, a couple of those actually. Pharmaceuticals is the, the, the one that I work with most frequently. So there's a lot of, of uh, regulation that goes there. Okay. You get into aerospace and government contracts. It's a different form of regulation and, and yeah. standards they've got to hold to. So even things like med devices, life sciences, uh, if it's going to be put in the human body or it's going to transport us someplace, there's probably some regulation that goes yeah. to it. That's a good thing. <laughs> Hopefully so. <laughs> um, you know, we just talked about, uh, we're talking about predictive maintenance um, and you were talking about, you know, finding that right balance between collecting too much data and becoming overwhelmed or not collecting enough data or, or under scheduling maintenance or over scheduling maintenance. What are some of the most common mistakes you see decision makers committing when um, implementing these digital strategies? Um, and whether that, you, you know, whether the, the most mistakes happen with terms of asset management or changes to processes or changes to procedures or, or launching these things with your workforces? What are some of the uh, most frequent uh, gaps you see? Yeah, so what, one of the, I wouldn't say it's necessarily a gap as it's the wrong rabbit hole to go down is some companies feel like if they're, if they're gonna go through digital transformation, they've gotta make wholesale infrastructure changes. They may have older assets, again, depending on the industry, they may have machines and, and equipment that have been in place 30, 40, 50 years. These things are obviously before we start talking about going digital and making data available. Yeah. So decision makers get lost in, man, I, I have to go through a serious capital expenditure to modernize the infrastructure. And they'll get lost in that route sure. without ever trying to, to get value out of these things. Um, they'll, they'll also focus perhaps a little too much on the analytics side of going digital. That's what's got all of the, the press, the hype, if you will, what a lot of people are writing about. And for good reason, because the analytics help us make better decisions. But right. there's, there's the other angle to this of you have policies, you have procedures, you have 
action plans that some people might know really well and others might not. So not focusing on the execution, if you will, focusing too much on the analytics can be a big mistake because while the analytics can bring things to life, it's now about what actions are we going to take against that? And there is tremendous value in, as you come up with your strategy for going digital, um, in our company, we talk about digital uplift. That's really the strategy, not necessarily where's the results. What can I do that's going to ultimately impact the bottom line, okay. add value? And you want to find the right balance between both those worlds. So less of a focus on the analytics themselves and, and more of a focus on the insights gleaned from those analytics? And what you do with them. So yeah. if, the, if the analytics are providing the right insights, which in most cases they're going to because there's a lot of effort that goes into that. Yeah. What, what do I do? So as an example, I know that uh, the, the analytics are telling us that we are going to have a particular type of, of failure somewhere in the process in the next day or the next few hours. Mm -hmm. What are we going to do to avoid that? In a lot of cases, that's written down in a S SOP. You've got something that's either in a binder or maybe if I use the term, they've digitized it. They've simply scanned those binders. They're up in a document management system. If it's something we do frequently, people are going to know what to do when they sure. get that insight and that, yeah. that signal. But now it's, if it's something I don't do or I'm new at my job, there's time that can be lost there going to figure it out. Maybe there's stuff that's not printed on the paper that people know about. So again, focusing on, on that kind of use case and what we do with the insights, um, it just needs to make sure that it has some focus. Maybe it's not less on the analytics, but just balancing between the two. Yeah. Well, now there you're getting into the whole concept of tribal knowledge and, and gut instincts and things like that. Um, talk to me about um, modern approaches to, to capturing and, and codifying that tribal knowledge with digital tools and, you know, digitizing things so that when the, the, the guy or the gal who'd been at the, at the, with the asset for 40 years leaves, he or she doesn't take all that, that tribal knowledge uh, with them. Um, what's new in that world of, of capturing and, and making actionable um, that tribal knowledge? Yeah, and, and before we talk about the new, just really quickly, the, the old always was a little bit of a challenge because to, to map and model these types of processes, action plans, tribal knowledge effectively, yeah. um, most systems, you know, you're looking at something that's an MES or an MOM, there's a lot of development, even customization that would have to go in. You've got people that might be scripting or coding or, or doing things that are hard for the actual stakeholders, the actual people doing the work to be involved with, to, yeah. to collaborate on. What, what's really become, I'd say, maybe not a newer concept, but the implementations are a lot better, are workflow tools. And that means being able to sit down just like you would go into a conference room and roll out a, a large piece of butcher paper, if you will, and start drawing flow charts. Modern MES mom packages have fantastic workflow designers where you can do the same thing, drag and drop different steps, link them up and work collaboratively with the people that have this knowledge to make sure that you're kind of doing two things. You're, you're documenting what they know and what decisions they take at different points. You're also able to then implement that into the system so that the, the MES mom can drive that action plan. That action plan may be walking somebody through the steps. It may be because it's a workflow, there's different collaborators that, that get involved. Right. There's a problem in production, 
that needs to go uh, notify somebody over in the quality department that there's a new sample that's going to be coming on the way because it needs to be tested. It may uh, be able to go bring in somebody from maintenance if there's about to be an unplanned downtime. We want to get them out there with the parts and tools before it causes a problem. So yeah, right. th those are all things where now the software can drive it, we can design it. And again, just like with the analytics, the workflow, the, the best workflow pieces have visualization to them. You literally can put that flow chart up with live data, see where you're at in the process. And, and when, so when we talk about codifying tribal knowledge, it's it, it, the last thing I'll say there is when we start talking about that strategy, in some cases, because it's a common activity, just digitizing the, the, the policy, what's on the paper, and being able to go call that up at a moment's notice to do a quick review is sufficient versus going through this other process that I'm talking about of using workflow to really have the software drive it through, make some of those decisions, eliminate any of the inefficiencies with handoffs and manual communication. So it's about, again, finding the right balance and using the tool where the value is the best. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, making tools usable by the people who have to use them, you know, that's simplifying the elements so that, you know, they're they're eagerly and enthusiastically adopted by the people who have to implement them. Yeah, if you if you don't have the right usability to a system, and right. it, it's about what what are you presenting, where are you presenting it, and who's going to be using it. We we see sometimes as companies go through, and you were talking about mistakes that get made, getting the people that are going to be using the data involved in the process of digital transformation and what the results are going to look sure. like is key yeah. because if if they're not on board and they're not ready to really start using it and feel like they've they've got a say in what they're going to get out of it they may not use it you may you may have designed and implemented the perfect system you've got the best <laughs> twins with the best data and it's still not being used oh, effectively yeah. so yeah. another another point to make sure you consider yeah Last question for you, Dave, kind of big picture thing here. We always like to end with people looking forward uh, to what excites them in the near future. So what, uh, what most excites you about the near future of data-driven uh, manufacturing? I'm, I'm really excited by continued advances that are being made in the cloud. And, and more importantly, not only what's available through cloud computing, but the fact that manufacturers are really starting to gravitate to it. Yeah. Not, just, not just about... Uh, being able to get rid of servers and, and farm things out, but that they understand that there's significant power in cloud computing and, and also the proliferation of, of IoT. I mean, we, we've kind of talked about feeding data up into models, but what IoT and smart devices can do on-prem and even the processing that can be done at the edge, mm -hmm. there's, there's shorter feedback loops that can come through there. So um, the promise of what IoT can do, I really feel like we're just kind of scratching the surface um, and people might be more familiar with it at home, but the, the practical applications in a factory before the stuff even gets fed up into a larger system that could be cloud-based, it's doing all this big ticket processing. The, the promise there with IoT and what it, what it can do for manufacturers and the value they get out of it is really exciting. And it's, it's fun to see those devices and that technology evolve and for a lot of the vendors out there to start adopting it and, and finding the best creative ways to use it. Yeah, it is exciting. And to see the adoption and understanding of it grow year over year um, is really encouraging. Dave Ray, Director of Product Advancement with Parsec, thank you for joining us on the Remaking Industry podcast today. Enjoyed the conversation. Thanks for having me, Chris. We always love touching base with the smart people at Parsec. And to the listeners, as always, we encourage you to go out and make it a smart day.